All right, guys, we talk a massive debut weekend for Rings of Power. We wreck the patient, and we don't want to become old men filled with regret, waiting to die alone. So we will take a leap of faith this week with our rewatch Inception. Here we go. podcast i'm eric i'm here with ryan and jim how's it going guys couldn't be happier to be here dude i feel like we've been blessed by the tv gods right now i'm just i'm, I'm just in a great place that's all yeah everything is coming back and starting off at the perfect time um we did our thrones cast for episode two or i'm sorry episode three so go uh check that out should be out already we break down and go in depth and spoil everything. So if you haven't watched it yet, don't check that episode out until after you watch episode three. Um, but yeah, I think you should go be crushed. I think our we our have such a good time. Fantastic. Yeah, it's good, and we've heard we've heard some good feedback from people that listen to that and other Game of Thrones pods. And um, you know, one thing I'll mention is that if anybody's holding out on listening to it because they think we're going to go read the fucking George Martin book and then spoil the big strokes of the story, we're not. I don't even want to know them. Um, no. We are just any predictions we make are from what we've seen, which is the same as you've seen. So, yeah, join us over there. It's a really good time. It's all conjecture from us to, like, just, you know, Eric has his bit of, guys, I've read the script for episode four, you know, and and all that stuff, like, occasionally that we throw in there. None of that's real. <laughs> Eric? <laughs> really? Are you Shockingly, serious? Eric has not been to HBO headquarters, um, <laughs> as far as we know. No, but it's a lot of fun. Um, there, I was hearkening back as Eric was saying, or, or Jibbo was saying, we're blessed with a lot of good TV to to a time where the main show we were watching in the pandemic was Tiger King, and we were mm-hmm. breaking that down episode by episode. So I think we're in a little bit better place with House of the Dragon and Lord of the Rings and Andor coming up and all that stuff. So uh, at least we don't have to watch like a meth junkie who kept tigers as pawns to make a bunch of money and married two other dudes yeah yeah when you put wow. it like that it seems not wow. as good. <laughs> you really got off the tracks there um all right guys <laughs> we need you guys why to... i don't that's why i don't host the show jesus christ <laughs> yes. it's pretty obvious pretty obvious after let's that let's let eric take over again yeah let's... i'll be quiet i'll be quiet <laughs> we... We need you guys to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordeast Podcast. Also, subscribe anywhere that you guys get your favorite podcasts from and get the Nordeast Podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week for free. Sick. Thanks for doing Thank that. You. All right, guys. Uh, what are you drinking today? I'll just go first because it's quick. I, I just got a 24-pack of the Coors Banquet, baby, and that's what I'm having. <laughs> I'm keeping it light. Tomorrow's the first day of school for my children. Keeping anyways. it light? Not with the banquets you're not. Oh, it's still pretty light. Compared to the, the shit pork that chop I and every beer. IPA with fucking malted, yeah, it's uh, this is a light beer for me. I'm at uh, Folly Knife. I got there. I've had this one before on the pod, but it's been a while. They they recently re released the Academy of Doom. Uh, they're hazy, just pale ale. It's like five five point three percent, I think. So really easy drinking. Tastes way better than a Coors Banquet. And uh, happy to support a non uh, InBev brewery. Dude, that's Coors local. is not InBev. Coors is that's. AB oh, and is Miller Coors. Coors. Miller Coors. Sorry. Yes. S- sorry. My they're, fault. They're slightly better, actually. But anyways. All right, guys. I'm drinking the Marzen style lager from Lupulin out in Big Lake. Uh, it's an Oktoberfest beer, and it's pretty good. Getting ready. Uh, so sugary. Speaking of Oktoberfest. Let's go. It's going to be big. Forgotten Star Brewing 
right in Fridley, uh, is having a giant Oktoberfest bash. And Ryan and I are going to be there with some people. It's going to be fun. And we want you guys to come. If you're listening to this podcast, I fully expect you to be there. Uh, I, I want you to approach our table, and I want you to say hello, and then um, it'll be great, and we'll have fun. And we're going to have some drinks and food trucks and live music from Nerdy. Uh, it's going to be September 16th. That's a Friday night. I'm going to be there like the whole time. Um, I'm going to be pretending it's Gastoffs 10 years ago. And I might be really excited to see you. But then if you ask me about it later, I'll be like, don't remember that. That's okay. That's normal. That's German stuff. Don't worry about that. Um, but it's going to be a great time. So please come and check out. I'll be there Friday with, with Ryan. And yeah, Nerdy's going to be performing. It's going to be perfect. I can't wait till we're talking on like Saturday via our group chat and I'll be like, Hey, that was awesome that Eric showed up and you'd be like, Eric showed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That sounds right. All right, uh, guys, it's time to on into, do we care? Uh, we have to talk about rings of power, which we will dive into a little deeper later. Um, but it co- has a massive debut. Amazon is claiming that 25 million people tuned in to watch the premiere on the first day on the first day. Which is right. crazy. Which is massive. I mean, I kind of get it. It has its name recognition. Everybody sort of has de facto, you know, Prime, whether they've ever set it up to watch it or not. It does seem a little bit Bezo-y. The numbers are a little bezo I feel like the numbers are, um, like Bezos had mentioned in a bunch of meetings, like like almost like a Trump thing. Like, boy, I really hope we can hit north of 20 million on the first episode and everyone's like dude we got to figure out how to make these numbers yeah. be north of 20 million right and they were at like 24 and a half and the senior data supervisor was like round it up crunch it again it even 25 run the numbers 25 again. 25 send it to jeff yeah and like that's just where they ended up and he's like 25 million send this out to the press and so yeah. then it's everyone's like uh that wasn't quite the numbers, and they're like, but they're printing it, so yep. it's already out there. Yeah, There's nothing you can do now. And they can say whatever they want, but I can't wait to talk about it. Um, I don't even want to yes. give any kind of spoilers on our general opinion of the show until we get to it. So let's just yep. say it had a big debut. Yep. Um, it's going to be essential, whether you, you like it or not, because it's big, and we'll get to it soon. All right, guys, it's time for the Forgotten Star Big Stick of the Week. Already? That's cool. It better be a big story and important, too. The big stick of the week this week is Matt Shackman. Okay. Matt Shackman is, uh, well, just hear me out. Okay. Not great news for the Live Long and Prosper crowd, as Matt Shackman has decided in the middle of directing Star Trek IV to leave the movie. No. To take on directing the Fantastic Four movie, the first of its kind in the MCU. Um, What? You can do that? Yeah, at this point, they are currently searching for a new director, um, but as of now, it is still scheduled for a December 2023 release date. I can't imagine they will keep that release date. (laughs) Dude, why is Star Trek just the bastard stepchild of all, it gets no respect of all franchises? Did you say the big big dick of the week, or the big stick of the week? Well, uh... Yes. Yeah, yes. I think Matt Matt Shackman had too big of a stick to be... Living long and prospering, I guess, because he left for the MCU right away. Which we knew he was going to do, but I don't think anybody thought he was just going to bail on any current projects to do it. Um, Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that movie might suck ass now. 
dude th- now is the time this is this is the tarantino script this is the tarantino star trek that we've been talking about for four years on this podcast bring it's in. time it's it's time call it you're going to the bullpen call in the big lefty big q let him let him feast you know like be like you know it. what screw it they're gonna call steven spielberg no nope. they're, they're literally gonna call somebody like that they're gonna call joss whedon who oh, comes oh, in to like Jesus Christ. That's even worse. But like teenage boob jokes into the, the fucking movie at the last minute. Um Ugh. yeah, Joss Whedon's gonna finish it, I bet. We'll see. That's too I bad. Know. I think it's gonna be I think they're gonna bring in uh who's the guy who did Kingsman? Oh, another Matt, isn't it? Yeah, that's the guy that's gonna be. Don't um, recall. Yeah. There's so many washed up directors, it's crazy. Yeah, not great. All right, so there you go. Big stick of the week, Matt Shackman. All right, uh, how about this? Miguel Sapochnik already leaving Game of Thrones. Yeah, Ryan, what's up with this? You know most about this. Kind of. So I think it was always in the plan that at some point he was going to exit as a showrunner for Game of Thrones because he has a first look deal, an exclusive first look deal with HBO based on his, um, you know, prior work for them on the original Game of Thrones right. series. So I feel like, and, I, and this is me reading between the lines, he was a uh, non-toxic, a.k.a. not Dan and Dave, not any of their directors, like Bridge, between the original series and the new series. And they needed someone, right? They needed someone to give it that, that had, look and feel. Yes. And it does the, the, look the, good, and it does feel the, the same. The similarities, the similarities are there. You can feel Sapochnik's fingerprints on some of the scenes, especially action-wise. Um, he directed some of the most iconic episodes of the series. Whether or not you agreed with the direction that they went, um, it's not necessarily his fault. He was paid to direct what was written on the paper. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think so. What he's going to do is he's going to see uh, season one, I think, through to the end. Yeah. Um, and then kind of hand it off to Ryan Conger or something. Conger, yeah, or something like that. So he, then he's just going to be the main showrunner. So he's already the, Conger has already been doing the show running with Miguel, and mm-hmm. then it's just going to go over to him um, single handedly. So I don't see a dip while it's in quality coming. Like we won't know. I don't well, think. No. Like the headline of of writing Miguel Sapochnik is leaving Game of Thrones gets tons of clicks. It's not quite that. Like it it was already like. This is already kind of built into their plan. Yeah. I don't think, um, and, and he's not leaving HBO, right? So I'm sure he can be in like a consultative role if they needed it. So he might come um, direct not an nearly episode as, here and there too. It's not nearly as bad as like the headline seems. Yeah. Not too worried about it. And I think, I think he was completely necessary as a, you know, kind of bridging, like I said, bridging the gap between the two different series. Yep. All right. Uh, we also found out on HBO Max that Dune prequel series is coming. Dude, I think Please this God. could be a massive, massive show. It's probably two years away at least, right? It'll probably come out after the next movie, which they're filming Dune Part 2 right now. So it'll probably come out in like years from now, but it's going to be like a really big show. I think that they can learn something from spending a lot of money and getting a return on your money that... Amazon Prime has done, apparently. I mean, hopefully, it looks like it, that's happening. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if it looks 85% as good as these movies, you know, the Dune movie, it's going to be an unbelievable show. Can you imagine I just hope, I hope... a world where 12 months of the year on HBO, we get a high-budget Game of Thrones, Dune, Harry Potter, or DC show at all times? On Like, true, true high-budget shit, yes. Like, I mean, put like that, put that fourth movie. finger back down. 
put that fourth finger back down and you got a deal. Yeah, and but I'm just saying, like, if there was no show or a DC show with a high budget, I'd rather have that. Sure. You know, like... No, you're right. I'm just saying, like, those are going to be maybe their pillars of what they're going to be building on here. And those I are... I want Harry Potter. Cool. I want R-rated Harry Potter badly. Oh, R-rated HBO Harry Potter horror show with well, Daniel Ratcliffe hunting down evil wizards and it's, like, violent. Sectum, mm-hmm. septum, sectum sempering everyone. Yeah. Whatever he's got to do. Yeah. I can't. I, I would um, love that. Also, what if we got like Watchmen style Dune prequel series? Like, I feel like this has a lot of potential in terms of a in terms of like world building. Like for what we see, like Amazon doing with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, um, Dune is a humongous uh, open world that could be very easily. And Denis has done a really good job so far, um, easily to build on in a prequel. That's it's very exciting news that. That was sort of um, a tepid plan, I think, prior to the you know numbers and popularity and, and how much people loved the first movie coming in. Because I don't even think they greenlit the second film until Weeks, after... Like a month after it had been released. They had seen, yeah, yeah, that it had been released. Yeah. So um, I think it's, that's all good news for the, the Dune universe. The Dune universe. I was going to say that, but I let you do it. <laughs> it sounded stupid. It All right, uh, I'm not afraid of that. Andor, which is just two weeks away at this point, built an entire outdoor city um, for the show because they wanted to limit the use of CDI. I think this is the best news we could get, as I think that the reason that the shows, the Star Wars shows, haven't hit quite as well is because... The CGI is a bit of an issue. Yeah. Well, what was what's the name of the filming studio? The place that they're industrial they're doing lights all this and stuff? magic. Yeah, but there's like a specific name for it, like the like like the hill or something. I mean, it's it's something like that where they're where they're doing all of this blue screen stuff and it's just dumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really hurt. Like if you look at like Boba, I mean, just really brutal effects um, that totally take you out of it. So, dude. I think Andor has the potential to be the best Star Wars show we've gotten yet, and shit like that makes me realize they, they're taking this really serious. I think they want this. I don't think there'll be as many um, intentional, like, goofy plays to kids like there was in, like, kind of took me that away from Obi-Wan a little bit. You know, like, let's have a kid actor in it. That'll be fun. Um, they're not worried about that stuff with Andor. I think it's going to be a straight spy thriller. It does look great. It's got a long ways to go to catch Mandalorian, which has been the best Disney Plus show, um, period, yep. of other shows. Uh, but I do think Did that... Did you see I'm the Mighty Ducks remake, though? Just kidding. Rough. rough. Um, no, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it looks awesome. And the fact that they want it to look more gritty and real, I think is... Yep. I completely agree. And the fact that they realized what was going on with the other films or other TV shows and were like, no, nah, we actually want to build this. It, you could, t- I mean, just even looking at the trailers, you could tell it looks so much better. Mm-hmm. It look it looks infinitely better than anything Boba Fett or Obi-Wan did. Sorry, Jibbo. Totally agree. Do you know what I think that they should do? What? I think they should build actual cities for like these universes. So yes. they can always film in them and then just let nerds who love the show... Um, take tours and Airbnb. stuff like that. No, just rent yeah. the places to live in so they get to live in the city and it has like the Starbucks but it has like a Star Wars like name on it and like you can go to all these places but they get to film there whenever they want to. And you you can pay in Imperial credits. Yeah. And you only, <laughs> you, you're only allowed to dress in like your designated Star Wars clothing to go out when you live there. They could fund the whole city by having Star Wars nerds live there 
and they could just leave it up permanently. Sign me up. This is like what I wanted from Westworld season three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, up to and including the the gal that uh, was your introduction, you know, into the world too. Yeah, bring her along, and the whole thing would be fun. As long as she was a part of it. Maybe she's yeah. got you know the long uh, head tails, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I'm, I can get past that. Fine by me. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, it's time to move on to this week's Hot Rex and Not Rex. We have to start with the big hit, Rings of Power, the new uh, TV show on Amazon Prime that is um, a prequel to the Lord of the Rings series. Yeah. And The Hobbit. And they dropped two episodes um, out of, I think, eight or ten. And, yeah, it was... um, I mean, just the the word that I can choose, I will use for it is spectacular. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Um, I think it looks better than maybe any TV show I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it it's so perfect in how it looks. But I've hear, heard a lot of people saying that they like it better than Game of Thrones, and I think that's blasphemy. Mm. Blasphemy. Mm. As here's my issue with the with Lord of the Rings. All right, it's not that it isn't good, but in Game of Thrones, I'm like, this is a foreign land with dragons and magic, white walkers. But, like, how the people act and, like, how much of an asshole everybody is and, like, how people betray each other and love each other and stuff is pretty down and dirty and gritty and realistic Sure. On, on In Lord of the Rings, they're like, oh, and even, even the bad guys, even the villains, even the people you hate in, in Game of Thrones you have sympathy for them or you feel for them on a tough decision or sometimes they make a good choice and sometimes they make a bad choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of times you can understand why they are doing something, right? And even in Marvel, like you get Thanos and he explains to you why he wants to like kill half the universe and you're like, oh, there's not enough resources to go around? I mean, maybe not how I I do it, but like I get it. (laughs) Couldn't he just snap his finger and create more farms and double the resources? Yeah. But, but, you know, I get it. I understand. Or, like, I think, I think, like, having villains who you understand their cause is important. And, like, what I can't get over in uh, Lord of the Rings is they're like, and now we take you to the ultimate villain. He doesn't speak, and he is a power of fire that is an eye. And he is an all evil being that wants to destroy everything. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay. And his bad guys are mindless orcs that. Yeah, now let's go talk to these villains. Glug, glug, glug. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) they don't have a goal and they can't talk. And now let's go talk to this villain. It's a monster who just wants to eat flesh. And then, you know, like there's just too many, like everything is either innately good or innately bad. Everything is so black and white. That's that's more traditional pure fantasy. And I I get that. I get the complaint. I think that that's That's why game of Thrones was revolutionary. Exactly what you're describing. Yeah. Well, game of Thrones and and many other fantasy epics that followed the gray model, as opposed to the black and white model. Okay. I'm into that. That's all right. So what do you guys think of the first two episodes? Well, let's, let's ask the question initially. Are we, are we spoiling? Are we talking spoilers or are we speaking in general? Yeah. Let's, let's generalize. Um, in fact, I, I loved what I saw. I was blown away. I think the acting is amazing. I think the writing is cool. I love all the side storylines. Guess what? Game of Thrones doesn't have a lot of right now. Um, side storylines where you don't know if or when they're going to intersect, right? Everything is very much about the family, which is working, and that's cool. But I love how many directions um, the Lord of the Rings could take. Uh, Galadriel, as a, apparently a lead, although she splits her time, you know, there's a lot going on, 
is fantastic. Uh, this actress is so good. Um, I will say that, like, after watching both episodes, it's kind of, like, hits fast, and I don't exactly... I, like, if you told me to recap, <laughs> I don't think I could do a very good job. Uh, I may either need to read about it or rewatch it, but, um, I mean, I'm just blown away by the fact that it looks like Return of the King, or maybe even a little bit better because some of the CG in that movie was dated, but it looks like a high-budget movie to me, which is very exciting to see that on TV. All right. I, I don't disagree with anything that you said, save from... Um, I guess I don't get the it-looks-great aspect of it. I feel like when they're doing scenes that are um, in a set that's built, or like running through a field, or things like that, I think it looks great. I think when they're climbing a mountain, when they're in the middle of the ocean, um, I think all of that stuff looks comically CGI. Really? Right, to the, to, like, to the point where it takes me out of it, like when she was climbing the ice wall, like you're telling me that was like that looked real. I think the Game of Thrones stuff, you know, six years ago looked infinitely better than that. You know, when when the wildlings were climbing the wall with Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's practical effects or CGI, I okay. So my complaints are are minor in that regard. Um, I feel like there is a lot of cool, um, you know, substance. Like everything is like very vast, and mm-hmm. the world building is immense. And kind of has to be, and the elves plus the dwarves, the, like those interactions, where I, th- I were thought they were fucking gold. I loved it. Yep, and it and it all of that stuff hits true, and the, and the spectacle itself is is amazing. I feel like the story is bland and boring. Um, I wish there was more there, and I think that's why I'm I would feel like I'm drawn more to the Game of Thrones genre than I am to the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, even though I'm a a, a Tolkien you know, Homer. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I do appreciate the high fantasy. You know, he was the first one on the road creating all this stuff. Right. So, um, there was no blueprint before him, right. We're not getting game of Thrones without talking, um, and his works, you know, to, to try and find, you know, a different Avenue. So, um, I, I understand why the black and white thing doesn't work for everybody. And that totally, totally makes sense. Um, I th- I think that this show is three fourths as good as Game of Thrones, um, and that's Game of Thrones at its worst. Okay, I don't know. I'm gonna I, that, put that's it just at, my opinion. I'm gonna put it I, at four fifths. Okay, so just a little bit closer. Not as good as Game of Thrones yet, um, but damn, it looks. It might look better in a lot of places, but it's also trying. So it's doing so much more. It's they're like building huge sets with like crazy set decoration and costumes, and they have like a one and a half minute scene there. And then they move on. It's like, oh my god, the money they had for this thing is crazy. Yeah, I think the other the other thing I disagree with you on is Gladriel. I don't I don't think she's as good. Um, I also don't think that everything she's doing fits her character. Like, I don't want to get into it, but um, everything seems a little bit different. But I th- I like the character of Elrond. I like mm-hmm. uh, I like the dwarves. Um, I like some of the human characters. Um, but overall, I think I think I'm excited to see where it goes. I think. Episode two is significantly better than episode one. Hugely better, which um, excites me. Yeah, I think. I think. Yes, I agree. Um, I'm. I don't want to be the stick in the mud that uh, relies too much on the original story stuff. So I'm. I'm really trying hard not to. Um, you know that it's different. Harken back to the. Harken back to the. Yeah, to to some of the texts and and the way that the characters are written in other books. Um, so I'm just. I'm going with it. Like. You know, there are some decisions J.K. Rowling made for Harry Potter or Snape or 
Dumbledore that were in the books and definitely didn't make it into the movie for time mm-hmm. or for sensibility or for whatever creative reasons. Um, so I'm trying to come at it from that regard of like the this series is separate from the text, but it's based on them. Hey, if that makes question. sense. Question: Are like the Harfoot small people that are kind of like like you know vagabonds or travelers? Are they hobbits or like a race of hobbits? I feel like they're like a version of like them. Early hobbits. I don't. Yeah, like or like. Um, the hobbits stayed here in the Shire, and then there's this other group of people, and they were like Traveled. like a traveling yeah. circus, you know, yeah, like that kind of thing. So I think I think they're maybe one and the same, except of where they live. You know, that's, I will say that like that's what in I this, it was a little weird for like the original Game of Th- or the original um, you know Tolkien movies, right? Where for most of the time, Sauron was just a big flaming eye in the sky, you know, that like couldn't even talk. And I, I agree that was like a tr- hard for them to do. And that's why they had the intro where he was like a really cool, big soldier guy. Right. And I think that in this, he's actually going to be like more of a human character trying to infiltrate and like pretend that he is maybe not just like this bland entity of evil and is going to try to influence maybe the making of the rings, all that stuff. You might actually well, get a villain it, with a little bit more depth this time. That's all we've been missing. Yeah. Well, well, I, okay, fair enough. But, like, um, I think that J.K. Rowling took a lot of what wasn't sh- uh, shown on screen but was written in the books in terms of um, Sauron being devoid completely of his power and then working to gather all of these different resources in the same way that Voldemort did. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, like, it was kind of fast-forwarded within the Harry Potter series, it was probably a little bit slower in the Lord of the Rings of like, he wasn't always just the, he didn't just like turn into this eye, right? It required a lot of people to come to his side Mm -hmm. and other rings of power to be brought back to, um, you know, the tower of Orthanc, which I think is where his, uh, his eye was, was situated behind the black gates. Um, Aren't you psyched that this shit's relevant um, again, Ryan? (laughs) You can bring it, we can bust it back out. Yeah, look at him go. The Rolodex, go the, the Rolodex is turning. Yeah, my other, so, my other anyway. issue is that I just can't handle the names of the villains. They're like, Sauron is the ultimate evil. And here is his assistant, Saruman. Saruman. And on this yeah. season, we'll have Saruman and Saradon as well. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what? What are we doing here? Yes, that's the guy that's like, can't wait for Viserys, Valerian, Vis- Rhaenyra, Razira, Rakira, and Shakira. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's they're both troubled in their own way, in that way. Yeah. Even though Eric, Aegon II of his name, well, who was the first? Wow, that's another Aegon. Yeah, we named him like earlier. In the real world, we had like King Henry the Seventeenth. Right. No, no, I, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm just being a dickhead to to counterpoint your Lord of the Rings things. I think it, it's all similar. And Tolkien made up his own language and his own names and all that stuff. And that was a big part of the books. Unfortunately, like if yeah. you went to read them now, you'd be like, oh my god, the lineage discussions are. <laughs> Boring. Get me out of those. All right, I can't be this person anymore because, like, my to me, something that's so annoying in life is the person who's like, I don't like dogs. I only like cats, or I only, I don't like cats. I only like dogs. I'm like, damn, they're both great. I like both of them. So I'm not going to be the person who is going to sit here and trash Lord of the Rings. I'm not going to let that be. I may be more of a, 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 you know, Game of Thrones person, but that doesn't mean that I don't respect having another great show. 
dropped on us that hopefully we'll have a bunch of amazing seasons and some incredible stuff. It looks perfect. It's great that Amazon's trying to have another big show. And I'm just really hoping that it continues as, as good as it started. Well, what do you think would bring the best out of Game of Thrones? Do you think it would be Some real just living living on its own or having a little competition mm-hmm. that might be, you know, into the same thing? So I, I t- for, for the podcast and as a TV viewer, I feel like this is a win across the board. Whether, whether or not you feel like it's true to Tolkien's text or George R. R. Martin's blood and fire, blah, 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 who cares? Yeah. Who gives a right. shit? As the viewers, we all win because you get to see something where everyone's trying to up their game. Amazon's like, billion dollars? Done. Yep. Don't care. Spend it. And HBO's like, shit, they spent a billion dollars. We thought 10 million in Discovery people again, high. would you? Jesus. Yeah. yeah, where's the where's the Discovery CEO? Can we get... <laughs> we're going to turn Game of Thrones into a reality TV show, and he'll give us an unlimited we budget. We need some of that crab fishing um, money. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> Deadliest catch guys are having cameos on Game of Thrones. <laughs> Hey, better than Ed Sheeran and Aaron Rodgers. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's move on. We talked a lot about that. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait for more. All right, uh, Jim, you watched a lot of stuff this week. You're still on Welcome to Wrexham. It's still a hot rack, right? Welcome to Wrexham on FX and then Hulu is must-watch. Rob McElhenney is so likable and so naturally, like, fun to watch. As a person, he's great. Like, he alone you're like feeling for this team. You're like, dude, just get this win, you know, and, and get, you know, promoted and whatever it might be. Um, and then I'll, th- I'll say that like Ryan Reynolds for me might be a little bit like the male Anne Hathaway, like always kind oh. of pretending like, come on guys. Like this is how I normally talk all the time. Like, dude, you're kind of fake, bro. So anyways, and that's what, I'll, that's one of my takeaways. <laughs> Very irrelevant to the fact that the show is great and you guys should be watching it. And it's maybe my favorite sports show it's been on in quite a while. And I would like to add to that that I have not watched a single episode, but I intend you to. Should. It's I mean, on the it's, list. dude, Ryan, I mean, this is like for you. But, oh, it's in the wheelhouse. Okay. Trust me, I know. All right. Dude, I just finished Stranger Things I know. like a week ago. You're like, give me a break. Best. I'm trying. Um, but if anybody is interested that's that's listening in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, if you're, if you're a fan of that show, if you're a fan of Rob or Charlie or any of all of them, they also have a podcast where they are discussing some of the, the highlights of different seasons or episodes or characters. And if you're into the show at all, I just wanted to recommend they have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. They also have a podcast discussing different episodes. And it's it's absolutely brilliant. It's very funny. Um, it's hilarious. They're all um, they're all kind of like funnily enough similar to their characters yeah. in a way, like just, just in real life. Yeah, which I think is why like they can all play the characters that they do, uh, except for like Dennis's dark side. I think uh, that's not quite who Glenn is, but maybe maybe that's why he bought a boat. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, I've I've seen a lot of clips of that, and it's it seems like a really good show. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna have to check it out too. You watched the big stand-up special. You're kind of our like go-to guy for hot wrecking stand-up. Yeah, I watch a lot of stand-up. Um, I, I, Instagram has made it amazing to follow these guys. And this is somebody, his name is Sam Morill, M-O-R-R-I-L-L, I think. Maybe two L's, whatever. Um, and he's got Same Time Tomorrow, just dropped on Netflix. And this guy is is <laughs> so good. He's, re- he's kind of controversial in that the subject matter he does is like Holocaust, 9-11, abortion. Like, he touches really heavy shit, but just does it very deftly. Um, and doesn't like offend everybody and make everyone hate him. 
and he does a lot of crowd work, which is great. Like gets the crowd in there and makes a lot of jokes. I laughed a lot. Um, I think he's an absolute rising star and you guys should probably try to take a look and see what he's going to be doing next. So yeah, Sam Merrill, uh, a shorter special on uh, Netflix, definitely a wreck. Is he like Jesselneck then? He is the... a little bit in the, but he's not really playing like, um, who, who's that guy that has, I probably won't be able to remember him. So I'll, I'll stop down this path, but, um, he's not as like playing a character as Jesselneck was. Jesselneck was like, yeah, everybody in my family was raping each other. Ha ha. Like, obviously that wasn't true. Sam Rill is like talking from his own life. You know, he's not playing a character. But he yeah, can get away with that's a lot. one of my favorite Jesselneck bits is like, I recently was talking to my sister and she told me she got pregnant to save the relationship. And I still won't call her. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, you and I were doing some Jezelnik bits the other day, too. Yeah, good shit. This guy's great. I think you guys should check him out. Sam Merrill. No, I know him. He's he's awesome. Yeah. Um, All right, better call Saul. So I just decided to only watch season five, and I'm almost done with it. I'm on episode eight. Which you've been saying for four years. That you're not going to watch anything until it is going to line up with Breaking Bad. Exactly. And that's what I'm doing. And, um... It honestly starts earlier than you think. I don't think there's going to be that much overlap in the end. I mean, maybe it's going to be like the last two episodes are going to have some. So I don't know if this is a wreck or not to do this. I'm going to get through it. I'll talk to you maybe next week when I'm done. It's a very fucking good show. Like, we know it's good. Everybody knows it's good. Um, Doesn't mean it's like an entertaining thing that you want to watch. It's just so well acted, very well written. And it's very slow. There's scenes of two characters washing dishes and having a small conversation. It's very character driven. It's not for everybody. Um, And it might not be for me, but I'm going to knock it out. So it's for now, it still has to be a tepid rack of like, you know, I don't know if it's worth it just watching the final season. I'll just get back to you guys. And you also watched The Patient. All right. So this is a new show. It's pretty exciting. Um, Steve Carell. And then Dom. Where where can we watch this? It's on uh, Hulu as well who just they just keep knocking out amazing shows they released two episodes of this thing and it's like uh, a psychiatrist that gets kidnapped by maybe a serial killer i mean i you know they try to make it overt that he's a serial killer but you may start to question that as the season goes on we don't know um dude it's really good really good performances i'm like super interested what's going to happen next i think the patient after two is a hot wreck um, it's not like severance where I like texted you guys instantly, like you guys turn, find Apple TV and turn this on. Um, but it's definitely very interesting. Steve Carell is a great actor. He doesn't really get to do non comedic work that often. Um, but you've seen like Adam Scott do it and get nominated for best actor in a, in a drama, you know? So it's possible where these comedians just turn out amazing acting where a Bob Odenkirk, right? Another comedian that got, you know, into a, a drama series, so, dude, I think the it's an SNL writer is, is definitely a, a wreck. Dom Hall Gleason is really creepy. I think he's doing a good job. Um, it's mostly just those two talking a lot. So, it's a wreck, dude. It's after two. It's a hot was wreck. Hulu, was Hulu merging with, like, FX on a lot of these shows the smartest decision they've ever made? Because it's got to it's be It's really, like, it's like, the thing that would get me closest to canceling cable. Because FX mm-hmm. is now the only place making good TV on cable. And you don't yeah. have it. You don't need cable to watch it. So... Uh, if it wasn't for uh, Minnesota sports, like mainly the Timberwolves yeah. and the Wild and the Twins, like I would not have. I, you know, no they dropped League Pass from three hundred and fifty dollars a year to one hundred dollars a year, so that pushes yeah, me even closer. You're blacked out. 
but you're blacked out in your local market no. because Bally Sports North. Yeah, you are. Okay. Let's not talk right, about right, this on the, on this part on this podcast. But all right, uh, guys, let's move on to our rewatching segment. Are you close? This is our Chris Nolan rewatch, which I have been thoroughly in. It's been really fun. Uh, after Insomnia. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. yeah. but I liked before Insomnia too. You know, like Insomnia was fine, but Momentum. everything else was has been really good. I've really enjoyed everything a bar one movie. Um, okay, everything but Insomnia has been a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, I agree. this week we got to watch Inception, and I don't know when the last time I watched Inception even was. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. I remembered most of the movie, but I was still caught by surprise by a lot of things. Okay. Um, one, the cast is amazing. Yeah, it's it's totally stacked. In fact, I want to at some point I do want to um, kind of rank the success of Leo, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, and Ellen Page as the team. Like, which characters work the best for you guys? And we can do that towards the end or whatever. But um, and then you know a little bit of Michael Caine because you have to. But mostly it's like kind of a small group. And what's her name? Um, huh. uh, Marianne Cotier. Right. Yeah. I mean, she. Yeah. I was kind of listing and the team because you also got um, Saito. Ken Watanabe. Yeah, Ken Watanabe, which, yeah. by the way, turn on your subtitles because I can't fucking understand a word that dude says. I only watched subtitles. Whoa, that's, that's racist. Uh, no, it's English, and I can't couldn't understand his version of it. <laughs> it's English. <laughs> My third I... note is cannot understand a single word that Ken Watanabe is saying, so I just had to put it in there. I literally um, loved this group. I thought it was perfect how they assembled this team. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I loved the confusion of the beginning of this, um, and I, I thought that it it like dove into the whole adventure quicker than I thought it was. Going. And so, yeah. before you know it, this movie is teaching um, the new designer or whatever they called her, architect, um, yeah, architect. Um, how to manipulate and create these dream worlds, which was unbelievable. Um, when they're flipping Paris upside down, or yeah. you know, creating... by the way, you can thank uh, you know this movie for all the Doctor Strange visuals. I mean, totally ripped it right off. Yeah, oh, you, it looks exactly yeah, the same. This yeah. was first. Um, their use of all of the I don't know art that um, like the, the the mirrors that created the bridge. Um, is from a famous artist, and the steps is from MC Escher. Escher, yeah. MC Escher. And, yeah, you know, there's all kinds of things like that that they were going into that I thought was so much fun. Um, well, it was it was a a testament to Christopher Nolan's ability to play with the camera and the like framing of like the angle, mm-hmm. right? And uh, like the impossible stare doesn't work. Um, unless he shows it from a certain direction, right? Because if you go down to the side of it, then you obviously see that there's going to be a gap there that's not CGI. So, but yes, it was like just visually brilliant from all of those, um, uh, from the view of the architect being able to manipulate uh, the dream yeah. worlds. Yeah, I thought that was that was great. And really once Dom gets, or Cobb, Dom, Dom Cobb, gets his mission for Inception, it, I think the movie really takes off before that it's a little bit sluggish um but once he's assembling his team dude we that's familiar territory we're all about assembling for a heist well, but you're, yeah assembling for the heist but i think i think they had to teach us a little bit about what yeah. they did 
and that's why we got the thing and then like the rug uh, like the it's a different texture mm-hmm. and all that stuff and i think that was all important to let you know that um building the world is just as important as getting people now, into it now do you guys right it's it's got to be do you guys the same. think that the heist premise was as cool as it could have been given the cool technology and the visuals and all the cool things you knew they were going to work with for them to like their mission is to break up like get a kid to break up a like a conglomerate company i thought it was like all right, maybe that's a little bit boring of a decision. I, I liked the maybe idea of something different. Why, I like the idea of why like not attack why. another country, like go in and do like a political thing. Like, I don't know, something with a bigger impact would have been cooler, I think. But I think like the whole point of the movie ended up being that like the most dangerous thing you could do is plant an idea. And like, yeah, you see that with with his his wife, obviously. Mm-hmm. And like the idea that is planted in her brain leads to her suicide. And the idea that you could go into someone's mind and plant the seed of an idea that they thought they came up with using their own dreams is really cool. And so I don't know if it was the most important thing that they could have been doing, but I think that um, like the how of it was really sweet. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah, I, think the, I missed uh, a line in previous watches where, the technology, they said what it was for, and I missed that before. It was like for, you know, it initially developed for soldiers. They could all plug into a shared dream and go kill each other and, and come back for training missions. I didn't ever catch that that's how the this shit was invented, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so in this, the idea is, well, they, they do like a, a trial mission, right? And then Saito is like offering them what they want to come do this important mission for him. They aren't going to take the job, but he says something like, are you going to take a leap of faith? And that's yeah. exactly what um, Mal had said to Cobb at some point as well. And so he kind of is like, uh, he stops in his tracks when he hears that. And then he kind of decides like, maybe this is all intertwined, I think. And that's why he decides to kind of take this job. Um, the whole team assembling stuff was really fantastic, I thought. And then they dive into the mission pretty early. Yeah. Like, the, it goes on and on and on for, like, an hour and a half. They're, like, in this mission with the different levels. Um, I did, It's like I did see yeah. that the different levels were based on movies that Chris Nolan loved. Really? So, the the street, um, like, one was in New York. Or L.A.? Was it in L.A.? I think it was in L.A. Yeah. The, and that um, was based on heat. The levels were, the you know, real life was they were in a flight. And then they were in like it's like a warehouse and then a van in like a city in the rain, okay. And then that was in L.A. And that had the hotel, yeah, go ahead. And the shootout, and that was all based on Heat, which came out in the mid '90s. Michael Mann, we talked about Heat like three weeks ago, which is so funny. Then the hotel was based on The Shining, okay. And then the um, Arctic base was next. The snow, the snow one was based on like an old like '60s Bond, Moonraker maybe. Sounds right. it was all. Oh, he's done. He's done lots of snow. And it was yeah. like all of these different movies that like Nolan has kind of said were like big influences on him. Um, another cool part of this is that a lot of people think that the movie is indirectly talking about Nolan and his life, um, and that Nolan is Leo, and that Leo even kind of dresses and wears his hair like Nolan. Yeah, um, and that he's the director and like this like dream maker who is trapped and can't go back to his family because he's busy, stuck in these dreams. And I mean, how mad yeah. is that? And that he wants to be able to go back home, but like he gets so caught up in these dreams 
and he misses his kids and he feels like he can't see them. And then they went through, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's like, they're all different roles in like in a movie production. Yeah. In a movie production. And so every person yeah. is like a role in producing a movie. And so the, the set designer like, is the architect and the, yeah, yeah I, I don't know the, the perfect, you know, the prop master, yeah. the, and the, the, the stunt, the, the stunt guy Saito was yeah. like the studio and sure. Um, uh, financiers yep and then uh arthur was like the um producer um of everything and so like they were all kind of like characters in building like like a movie and so i i haven't gotten i didn't hear proof of this but i i've listened to a couple different i believe it yeah well i did hear proof that he he was like he was like well i wanted to do you know a heist and assemble a team and the teams that i know best are teams that make movies so that's what i based everybody's role off so that is right from him there, there you go. So a lot of people have been kind of piecing that theory together, and I think that's pretty interesting, like uh, an interesting take on all of it. Um, yeah, that that and and also, like, just not to get too deep into it, like, I definitely feel the, like, dealing with trauma um, aspect of this, of, like, how people process things that affect them differently. And despite your best efforts um, to do mm-hmm. right, by someone else, even though that you love them, you may be like pushing them in the wrong direction. And I think, um, you know, Nolan was was uh, very upfront with the way that Cobb and Mal uh, dealt with one another versus like Cobb and um, I forget the architect's name in the show. Um, yeah, it's like Adriane or like, something. Adriane. Yeah, yeah, and, oh, and yeah. so like how how those relation Ariadne. Yeah, how those how those relationships differed. Um, and anyway. Um, so I thought it was while I, I agree with the heist premise or or the Eric's uh, or or whoever said it the this is him as a movie maker right and how it can affect his own personal life. There's definitely some other underlying themes that were very prominent yeah. in my opinion. So I did really like um, Killian Murphy. Um, as yeah, sure. I thought he was so perfect for that role. He's perfect in all Nolan movie roles, just like um, Michael Caine is as well. Uh, but I do think that uh, as much as I love Marianne Cotier um, as Maul and just in any movie that she's in, I think she's so talented. I don't know if that character works for me all that well. And it's, it's a little a bit part of almost annoying after a while. Yeah, like, no. like she, she kind of like ruins the movie a little bit for me. And like it's not her acting because I think as an actor she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the character. It's like the actual writing. That I yeah, I have um, I have notes. Just like Mall fucking sucks. Mall is annoying. Like Mall's plan is so trash. Like when she, you know, whatever frames him and like su- that she's, sucks, dude. She's not really. She's not really scary. But she's supposed to be scary at times. Yeah, she is like sabotaging things. I mean, I did find it really interesting when you were going through his dream stuff and you were going down the elevator to the different memories. Yeah. That I was thought that cool. was so cool. I really liked that. So all I, the names have some I meaning you, too. You, like Maul means bad, right? Like, and that's the bad part of his mind. And then Cobb backwards is Bach and he's trying to get Bach to his kids. So, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's bullshit, dude. That was all bullshit. I just, was, dude, I thought I just were going, I thought some jokes serious. right in the middle of the pod, but keep going. <laughs> so I think, I think what you guys uh, don't do that again. Um, I think uh, maybe. So God, I don't know why this theme keeps coming up with like for me 
Mal is like anxiety, right? In your daily life. Maybe you guys don't experience this at all, but like I definitely do. And it's tough to deal with. And I feel like Maul is like someone's um, past uh, creeping up with them in ways that's sabotaging them that's stupid. And where everyone's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would that? Why would that be bad? And it's like, but that right. doesn't matter, like mentally, right? In the in the in the third level of inception in your in your head, those type of battles and and conversations go on, whether you like it or not. And so I think that there's uh, definitely some deeper meaning. Maybe I'm maybe I'm drawing this I like out of it. nothing. I think it's yeah. But I feel like I feel like I feel like Maul is like a representation of like maybe some demons in your head that don't really make sense. Like if you explain them out loud or you see them on screen, it doesn't really make sense. You're like, well, that doesn't, you know, but it's still like affecting the person. I get it because, you know, Cobb is like, he gets that Maul is not real. He knows what's going on, but he still can't control it. It's still scary. It's still very disruptive. All those things. So do you guys know the song from the movie? I'm going to play it for you guys. Incredible Hans. No, no, no. But that is a slowed down version of this song. So this song is the whole movie is based on. Yeah. So much so that the song itself is, I believe, two minutes and 28 seconds. And Chris Nolan made the movie exactly two hours and 28 minutes. So that every minute would be one second of that song. That thing that you were talking about was, who was the composer of this movie? Wasn't it Hans Zimmer? Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer used that song and the horns in that song slowed down to create that noise. No way. And like everything was like in that song, I believe all the way down to, I don't remember where, but I think it says Maul right in that song as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about bad. Isn't it like it's, it's like talks about regret or something. I can't remember all these. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's all based on that song. All of the sound effects of the movie are based around that song. The time of the movie is all based on that song. And that was what the kick in it as well for part of it or the music that was played over the speakers as well. So I just like that he takes like little things like that and builds in into his movie. Is that Edith Piaf who who is also in the not to bring this up again, Saving Private Mm -hmm. Ryan? Um when right before like the final battle they were sitting there and they had the record player and there was a song playing so if that's edith piaf then that's the same song from that movie as well so i don't know i think it's really cool that he does things like he pays attention to those little details things that like it would be hard for people to ever know um but just like that attention to detail is kind of what sets uh chris nolan apart i feel absolutely eric are you slightly impressed that i knew that it was edith piaf Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So there you guys go. Um, I thought the end of this movie was really cool. Um, I loved the fact that he had lived in the dream world for like two lifetimes, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, the reveal that they had grown grown old together, you know, in their in yeah, the they had grown grown old together was like a beautiful moment. In the movie, I loved that. Um, I thought that uh, the Saito stuff at the end was really cool. The only thing I didn't really feel was that he woke up on that plane. Like, it really would, that was 50 years worth of time or whatever it would have been. Yeah. That was the only thing that was a little weird and confusing. He wasn't trapped in, in this limbo that long, though. That was when he was with... <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, but he was trapped in this limbo long enough that Saito grew to be an old man. In, yeah, in limbo. And because he, Saito had gone down there earlier. Yeah, but he down in the down fourth there. level. 
longer. Yeah, well, they were up on upper levels, like because he died in whatever the yeah. third level. So yeah, I mean, he. Do you guys think that that when he saw Saito as an old man and they kind of talked and he's like, instead of like growing in old was an old man with regrets, let's go be young again. They they showed the gun. They both killed themselves, right? And that's how they kicked out because yeah. they didn't show him kicking up. And I think they did that intentionally to sow some doubt about whether or not he ever made it out, and or you know whether the ending is real or a dream. Oh, that the, it the whole ending doesn't work without that layer mm-hmm. to it, right? And not to be too on the nose with the references, but like it was he was sowing the seeds of doubt at every layer, moving up up to and including the totem through right. the last scene, and none of it works if the other ones don't, right? Right, and so I think that I think. Uh, Last week when I was talking about uh, The Prestige and I was like, I love movies that end and the, the last, the literally the last second kind of reveals everything that you were questioning the entire time. I think that while I love those still, I think movies that leave the endings uh, finality mm-hmm. up to your own interpretation of what you have just watched are even yeah. better because your imagination is far better than somebody presenting what you're supposed to see on screen. And I think those things that you talked about with the kick and, and the, the plane and, and being in limbo and all that stuff. And then ending with mm-hmm. the totem spinning and like rocking for like a half a second. And it cuts to black is a perfect. Is. I liked movie. That he didn't, you didn't, you left the interpretation of it up to him as well. Like he spun the totem, but he didn't care what the totem did because his reality was that his Fair. kids were there and he yeah. was talking. He walked away. He didn't even so know. I That's like cool, but to me it's very clear cut that it was real life. I um, agree. For a couple reasons. And it's not just because, you know, when he spun the totem in the dream, it literally was, it, it never was going to stop, so it never wobbled. Because if it's wobbling, it's slowing down, it's going to stop. This wobbled. I mean, that alone is like, bam. They could have cut it before it wobbled. And you would, you know, they would say one thing, the fact that it wobbled. I mean, if it fell, okay. Then you know for sure, but the, it, the wobble is everything. And then there's also talk that you know before Maul died and he had to use her top as a totem, he had his own totem. His totem is his wedding ring, and he only is wearing it in the real world, and he's never he's wearing like, it in his dream. And I they intentionally showed him. I think it's the opposite. He's it might be the opposite. It might dreams. be the opposite that he wears it. Well, either in way, dreams. whichever whichever one it is, um, he was you know. It, he was wearing it when he went through security and they showed his hand with the passport with the ring, I think off the ring off. Yeah. Um, and, and that's like, all, I don't know what else you need. I mean, that to me, and, and everyone and might interpret it differently, but to me, it's very clear cut that it's real. It worked. Saito came through. He's with his kids. And Michael Caine was only in reality. Yeah. Right. Michael Caine never went with him. him. He was, he never went and on. Michael Caine was his, was Mal's dad. Right. And so still a part of their lives. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very clear cut. Maybe that's the uh, maybe that's the uh, funny part for Chris Nolan. He's like, well, I only showed Michael Caine in the real world, and then he's in there in the last seat, and you guys are all focused on the right. Totem, he's like right there, and that's the he's least the, important yeah. part. Like he's like, I gave you the totem, and his name is Michael Caine. Honestly, this son of a bitch. And um, Michael Caine even said that himself. He said, I was told by Christopher Nolan that anytime I'm on the screen, it's real life. But he also didn't know if it was real or not at the end of the. Movie. So for me. I thought this movie was pretty dated. I hadn't seen it in a while. I was somewhat impressed with the visuals again, but that wasn't enough for me. I didn't love this movie this time. I didn't love this movie either. I liked it. I was surprised. 
Yeah. I liked it, but I thought that it was sloppy compared to even Tenet. Yeah. Like, I mean, I even thought... some of the action scenes, like, dude, we don't need to see Tom Hardy on skis anymore. Like, that was up there with the fucking Ewoks. Yeah, that was bad. Like, this shit it was took... so cheesy. Dude, it took, dude, it was like a cheesy James Bond, uh, and maybe that's because that's what Eric was referencing. Because mm-hmm. that was what I thought in my head was like, this is like Pierce Brosnan behind a yeah. green screen with like, a fan blowing like white, you know, dust in front of him, like skiing down the hill, and you're like, "This Just is bad. so long." This is like not any good. of the firefights were boring for me. Um, yeah, some stuff. Didn't I didn't think work. this was a bad movie. I liked it, but I think I would have told you I liked it a lot more. Fifteen or no, whatever. Years. Yeah, Twelve yeah. Years so ago. what is what's yeah. your guys's? But oh, go ahead. Well, let me let me just yeah. let me, I just want to throw in one thing for that for those bad scenes. I think there was also like from a groundbreaking film perspective like joseph gordon levitt in the hotel bundling everybody up against like gravity that like all of that stuff i thought fucking worked like hard like that was yeah that scene still fucking plays the choreo of him fighting along the walls was so impressive and i think he did a lot of that himself and unbelievable the planning for that was crazy so i mean when the stuff works it, it still works it's just um, not everything worked yes. for me this time. Um, no, and I, I was just, I just wanted to have like a little yeah. bit of a counteract to like the stuff that didn't work. There was also some stuff that was unbelievably cool. And the way that they filmed it with the rotating like uh, yeah. green screen that they were both running at was just, was really cool. So, um, and the story itself, I think is a little bit mm-hmm. weak um, from a Chris Nolan perspective. I, I feel like, um, uh, Maybe it's just in my head. I've built up him as this, you know, unencumbered, limitless, imaginative storyteller. And this one, for all of the cool flair that came with it when you originally watched it, is maybe a little bit lacking in terms of uh, what we would expect. And I don't think, I think if we were doing like a cool, like, uh, rewatch on, you know, time travel or something like that. We might view it from a different lens, but we're critiquing Chris yep. Nolan's films. And I think it's only fair to say that while we held this movie as a highly regarded uh, piece of filmography, um, it's got more flaws than we yeah, originally thought. I, I agree. Um, what is your guys' Rotten Tomato score? 84. That's so funny. Mine's 83. I was. I went back and forth between I... 83 and 84. <laughs> I'm going to give it an 84. I don't want to be too harsh. I liked this movie. It was good. Yeah. It just... it's It was... He's done better things since, then. yeah, and before, I guess. I I agree. Um, I also think that Leo wasn't necessarily the right mm-hmm. part, the right the right actor for this part. But neither here nor there. I was going to go eighty five, a little bit higher than you guys, um, only because um, I thought some of the cooler scenes uh, elevated it just so, a little bit more. But yeah, I I think we're all right. Yeah, now which is, is funny. Um, it's almost like we do a podcast every week. Okay, so out of all the movies. Besides getting a fourth Batman movie from Chris Nolan, I would like to see Inception 2. Me too. I was thinking that last night. Were you? Because, like, do a whole different thing. All different people. Use the technology. New story. Let's go. It's the most ripe for a sequel. I was thinking myself. Well, because the technology doesn't matter. It's like you you have this thing and you stick it in your yeah, arm and then away anything. you go. New characters, right? new plot, very easy. new heist. I would like to be a little more future though. Like they moved into the future and like Leo was kind of an old man. In Maybe it. they can control people with it or whatever. It just goes yeah. a little bit. Leo, Leo is 
Leo's the new yeah, Michael Caine. He's, kind of he's kind of a for the, wider, wiser guy yeah. in the movie. And then, like, a new team. I know. I Inception 2, I was, like, I was thinking the same so, thing. I would like that. In line with this, I want you guys to vote. I have two titles for Inception 2. And I want you guys to tell me what you think. I think the obvious title would be Reception. Okay? Like that. That's, mm-hmm. But I got, it, I got an option B. Infraction. Do you guys like Reception or Infraction better? Or do you Reception. have a third better name reset i have a i have, have a, it like I matrix have a third reloaded though that's what i that's the only problem deception mm, deception that's that's the third one i love it deception yeah i want a second one of these no. though i yeah, I, I, I totally agree i want him to have almost a redo on it and yeah like a mulligan in a way of like okay take all the good shit that you did maybe tweak it a little bit now you're you know you've got 15 more years of of filmmaking under your belt since yep. you wrote this one um what would you do differently? Because I guarantee if you if you got honest answers from Chris Nolan or like, would you how about that thing with the, the deal in Inception? He'd yeah. be like, Yeah, that sucked. Yep. I don't I don't know. I'm sure he's I couldn't such figure a it out. And we were already got, on set qualms with all of his yeah. movies. But uh yeah, I mean obviously we want him to, to keep doing a brand new, awesome idea that is mind blowing and you've never seen. But if he's gonna do a sequel, Inception might be perfect. All right, guys, that is all the time that we have. We'll be watching The Dark Knight Rises this week, so check on that with Ooh, us. Damn! It's just every week is a great movie that I'm looking forward to. It. Yeah, we're, we're, we're sprinting to yeah. the finish here because it doesn't slow down. Um, yeah, so that's awesome until... Uh, well, actually, go back, check out our Thrones cast for Episode 3 of Game of Thrones. Check out our sports cast this week as we preview the upcoming Vikings-Packers game for one. And uh, as always, until then, thanks for hanging out with your good friends here at the Nord East Podcast. Podcast.